I know every time we gather here on Sunday morning, there are people in our worship center that are brand new to Houston. If they're brand new to Houston, we want to welcome you to our city. Let's welcome them right now, church. So, a few things about Houston you need to know. First of all, Houston is the fourth largest city in the United States. It goes like this, New York, LA, Chicago, and Houston, okay? As far as population is concerned. Also, we are the most diverse city in the United States. Yes, more countries, more nationalities, more languages are spoken here than any other city in the U.S. So you need to know that. Also, you're going to discover this firsthand. Houston, as far as the big cities, and I've been living here a long time, is the friendliest, biggest city in the country. <laughs> Except on the highway. I don't know what happens to us. We lose all sense of control and sensibility. And if you're moving from a, we'll just call it another state, be warned, this is Texas and people carry guns in their cars and trucks. So just let it go. What else? Okay, yeah, the weather, the weather. Now. Our weather, there, there's one constant, and that is the humidity. Keep Houston humid. It's the humidity. At the same time, our weather is always changing. It's always changing. You don't know whether to put on the AC or the heater, whether to wear a turtleneck or a V-neck. You don't know what, keep the sweater, keep the tea. You don't know, every day the weather is changing. And one thing about Houston that's true is we have our storms, don't we? I mean, it never gets cold here. Well, when it gets cold, it's epic, okay? We do things in the extreme. We always have storms. Like last week, we had a minor storm, a little five or six days rain in, in a row storm. We have medium storms. We have major storms. We have apocalyptic storms, life-changing storms, storms. And so if you live in Houston long enough, you know that around April, you have to start getting storm ready. You do. So you live here long enough, you learn how to be storm ready, how to prepare your house, your home, wherever you're staying for a storm. Life is the same way. It's an easy, easy switch here. Many storms come to us in life. Minor storms, medium-sized storms, and major league storms. Storms hit your life and hit my life with an unrelenting vengeance. Most storms, the major storms, are all-inclusive. They hit us psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, they touch almost every aspect of our life. And the question I want us to look at today is this. Are you ready for the storms in your life? 
Because right now you're either in the middle of a storm, coming out of a storm, or a storm is coming your way. And so the question is, are you storm ready? Now, Jesus Christ is the most influential person who's ever walked the planet. Whether you believe in him as a savior and as your Lord, it's still undeniable as a historical reality. He's the most influential person that's ever walked the planet. And he gave the most popular, most famous speech ever delivered called the Sermon on the Mount. We find that in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So today we're going to look at Matthew 7. If you have a Bible open to the very first book of the New Testament, Matthew 7. If not, we have a Bible on the screen right there in front of you. So how do you close the greatest speech, the most famous speech ever delivered? How do you close it out? You close it out with a storm warning. A storm warning. Check it out. Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, and that therefore is referring back to Matthew 5, 6, and 7. When you see therefore in the Bible, always ask the question, what is it therefore? Okay? Therefore, in light of all of these radical, earth-shaking, rim-quaking, backboard-breaking commandments and words and truth bombs I've been lobbing your way. Therefore, everyone who hears those words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Here comes the storm. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and yet it did not fall. I know he didn't say this and write it in Houston, but it just sounds like he's been here, right? That's a hurricane. It didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man, a foolish person who built his house on sand. Storm warning, rain came down, streams rose, wind blew, beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Storms are headed your way. Storms are headed my way. You're in the middle of a storm now. How will you survive it? How will your house, how will your life stand? Storms hit with a vengeance. Storms also expose what lies at the center of your life and my life. Storms strip away the pretense. It gets beyond the externals and we start seeing what really lies beneath it all or what's at the center or the core or as Christ said, what's the foundation of your life. Now, if you live in Houston, you have foundation problems. Okay, you do. You may not know it, but, but you do. You do. You have foundation problems. About five years ago, uh, I think it was a Sunday afternoon, my wife and I went to an open house. And we saw this house, really cool house, built back 
in the, the golden decade, built back in the 70s, kind of early 70s, kind of mid-century modern, would make Don Draper happy, you know, I mean, it's really cool and sunken, you know, den and all that, just, just sweet house, great neighborhood right there on the bayou, and, uh, but it had to just a unbelievably cheap, we're talking Walmart price tag on this beautiful home in this nice neighborhood on the bayou. And I was like, what in the world? So we went outside looking around the yard and we got to the back of the house. Did you not? And like the right side of the house, there was nothing under it. Just some metal beams. It's like either a hurricane or something, it hit or erosion. And there was like one pillar of the foundation that was just gone, okay? So beyond all the, 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 the beauty and the sleekness and the cool and the externals of this house and its location, it wasn't worth much because the foundation had massive damage. You don't want to get by a house like that. You don't want to be in a relationship like that. You want to pull a page out of the gingerbread, you know, play box. Run, run, run as fast as you can. Get away. Foundation. So storms come in, like with this house, like in our life, and reveal what's our foundation. And if we have kind of cracks in the foundation, or we can do that, or we need some major foundation repair. Storms come. Sickness is, is a storm. Grief, loss is a storm. Family relationship intentions is a storm. Addiction is a storm. Even success can be a storm. And some of you right now are looking at me as if I'm crazy. You're like, where do I sign up for the success storm? I mean, if you don't have that rock solid foundation, even success will not work. Many of you have heard of the, the music producer, Rick Rubin. I mean, he's worked with everyone over the years, right? He's like the Neo Quincy Jones. I mean, he's worked with you know, Run DMC with Metallica, BC Boys, even Johnny Cash, okay? He was Time Magazine, one of the most influential people in the world. He's worth $300 million. It's not bad. And here's what he said. Here's what Rick Rubin said about success and, and making it. He said this. He said it's hard to get really depressed until, you, until your dreams come true. And you realize you feel the same way you did before, then you get a feeling of hopelessness. Frederick Nietzsche said, he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. At least that time in his life, 
Rick Rubin did not have a big enough why. You need a big enough why. I need a big enough why to make it through the various storms of life. The storms of pain and pressure and even the storm of prosperity. If our foundation is not rock solid. This passage, concluding this epic, iconic message called the Sermon on the Mount, it's all about the foundation. The foundation. Why are we falling apart as a country and as a people by and large? We've lost contact with our foundation. Why, why is depression and suicide and a sense of hopelessness and meaninglessness at epic proportions it's because we have forgotten and lost contact with our deep sense of meaning, both as a people and on a very personal existential level. What's the foundation of your life? What lies at the core of who you are? And will that foundation hold? Will, will it take you through those storms that rock your life? Storms. They hit you with a vengeance. They keep coming and coming. At the same time, they expose you, and storms also compel you, compel us to take action. Take action. Action comes to us in, in, in weird ways. Someone, I found the story the other day about this monk who went to this new monastery and he made a vow of silence. And in the vow, he could only speak two words a year. Can you imagine that? Just two words a year. Some of you would suffer and die before lunch today. Two words a year. So, went in the monastery, met with the head abbot. At the end of his first year, he appeared before the head abbot and he said his two words. Better food. So the head abbot went to work, got a new chef, got better food for this monk and the rest of them. Things got a lot better, he liked the meals. Second year passed, goes before the head abbot, utters his two words for that year, warmer blankets. Head abbot is in charge, gets on it, finds some warmer blankets, things are great. Third year comes around. Monk appears before the head abbot. He gets his two words, and he says, I quit. <laughs> and the head, head abbot goes, that's great. All you've done since you got here is complain and complain and complain. <laughs> Dad, you can take that joke home and tell it to your kids. They'll love it. They'll love you for it. Two words. Two words. 
I think, that will help us build a rock-solid foundation. And these two words are really not found in Matthew 7, Matthew's version of the Sermon on the Mount. Turn the page to Luke chapter 6. We're going to look at Luke 6, and we can find these two words as Luke remembers the story that he's heard about the Sermon on the Mount. Look at Luke 46. These two words are going to pop out. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. If you're brand new to Houston, if you're brand new to say, hey, I want a foundation, or maybe if uh, storms hit your life and you're wondering how do you rebuild, what in the world does that look like? Start with those two words in Luke 6, 46 following. And the two words are dig deep. Dig deep. Back in the 60s, there was a phrase that said, can you dig it? Yes, I can. Dig deep. If you want a life that has meaning, that has purpose, if you want a foundation that's going to be able to take the winds and the rains and, and the storms that come into your life, then you and I are going to have to dig deep. Dig deep. It's easy to live a vapid, shallow life and just cruise along with the currents of our culture and just wait until the storm hits. So some of us are, I guess, kind of like Rick Rubin. I'm not judging Rick. He's a creative genius. He's a brilliant guy. We're just kind of going with the flow. Or maybe you're a church person. You kind of you know, check the box. I'm a Christian. I believe in God. But are you really putting those thoughts and those words into action. Because if you are, then you're building your life and your foundation on shifting sand. And when the storms come, your house is going to crash. So you have to dig deep. Dig deep. Maybe you have to dig deep I don't know where you, maybe you have to dig deep intellectually. Maybe you have to really answer those questions there. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? If there is a God, then what does it have to do with me and my identity and, and my purpose? And what does that look like? You've got to ask those deep questions. Maybe you have doubts and you have to answer those doubts, and you've got to dig deep to start getting answers to those questions rather than looming those questions out in the air. Maybe you're wondering what's going to happen next in your storm in this crisis, and you don't know how you're going to face it in your own resources, and you've got to dig deep. You've got to dig deep. It's another passage that we don't have time to get into today in 1 Corinthians where Paul says, by the grace of God, I have laid a solid foundation. By the grace of God, 
I have, led, I have laid a solid foundation. So when you are seeking to lay a foundation that's on rock, when you're digging deep, it's God who gives you that grace or that, in, uh, uh, that inbreak of grace that allows you to dig deep. Paul was going the other way. His life was revolutionized. He was knocked off his horse and experienced God's grace. Then he went in his way to build that foundation. But he had the grace first. Mary Magdalene was sleeping around with everyone. It was an inbreak of God's grace that allowed her to be forgiven and then to follow in the footsteps of Christ. Peter messed up, he denied, he betrayed. He ran away from Christ in the red zone when it counted, but he was restored by God's grace. You have to have an inbreak of grace that allows you to dig deep on this foundation that is Christ himself. We have to dig deep. Dig deep. I'm not judging, but there are a lot of things in our society today that are just, they're just shallow. It's not, they're just tissue thin. Opinions and likes and hearts and tic-tac and all that other stuff out there on social media. God, help us to dig deep. Maybe say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm in a deep mess right now. I'm in a deep mess. Listen, God's grace is deeper still. I'm in deep pain. I'm in deep, deep pain and hurt. Listen, God's comfort by his spirit is really deeper still. I've got questions. I've got doubts. I don't know what the future is going to look like. Listen, God's guidance is, is deeper still. It's deeper still. coming on from work about two weeks ago. Got the mail out of the mailbox. I, I hate mail. I hate email. I hate paper mail because most of it is junk mail. I don't like mail. But I was feeling Christianly that day and so I went through the mail. And I was looking at stuff and I started looking at these, I don't know, brochures or something. And there was a, there was a house in this brochure I thought, man, this house is really cool, okay? And so I started looking at it and then looking at the pictures, the bedroom, this and that. And I looked at it. I looked again. I looked again. And I said to my wife, I said, sweetheart, look at this. Look at this house. Remember that house that we saw five years ago that was falling into the bayou that had no foundation? I go, look at it now. Look at it. Someone had dug deep 
into their pockets <laughs> and dug deep into the mud and found rock and fixed that foundation and had, I want to say, and I'm not doing preacher exaggeration this morning, tripled or maybe quadrupled the asking price of that house. Because someone with vision, not me, obviously, or I would have done it, but someone with a vision said, wow, I see potential in that house. We can make it better. We can reclaim it. We can restore it. We can lay, relay a foundation and that place will shine and it will be a, of great value and that house will be a magnificent home. And God sees you and he sees your life, and maybe he sees the storm you're going through right now. He looks into your house. He sees that kind of potential. Because I don't know a lot. I've got a lot of doubts. I wrote my dissertation on doubt. But I am certain of this that God is in the restoration business. And if you will give your heart and your life wherever you are, and say, God, I want to build my foundation on you, he will come in and he will make something magnificent, magnificent of your life.